Welcome to the Write Your Book in a Flash podcast featuring top business leaders. You'll learn how successful people, just like you, have grown their businesses, expanded their influence, and made more money by writing a book. On each episode, you'll learn the inside secrets to help you create a book that can serve as a powerful marketing tool to skyrocket your business. I'm your host, Dan Janelle. I help thought leaders, business executives, and entrepreneurs write their books. To find out more, go to writeyourbookinaflash.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm delighted to welcome our guest today, Phil Simsich from Canada. How are you today, Phil? Hey, Dan. I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Uh, you bet. So uh, thanks for the opportunity to speak with you today about writing a book. And uh, I've been consulting full-time since 1996 and did a short stint as an accountant for a couple of years before then. Got tired of looking in the rearview mirror and switched full-time to uh, consulting. Um, before that, uh, I actually grew up in a family business. And so that's why I ended up going to business school and the accounting and then the consulting fields. And when I was a teenager, my mom and dad and my aunt and uncle, they wanted a place at the lake. My aunt and uncle were teachers and they had lots of time off. My dad was a civil servant. He had lots of time off. And so they wanted to buy a business at the lake where we could all stay. Uh, So there's four on our side and four kids on the other. So there's 10 of us. Mm. So they went around looking at businesses and they looked at a laundromat and they looked at the financial statements and the laundromat, it made good money because it was just a little cash cow. However, there wasn't room for 10 people to sleep and live comfortably uh, while conducting a business. So then they found a hotel, 22 rooms. Hey, this had room to sleep. <laughs> took the financial statements to the accountant. He said, don't buy the business. It doesn't make any money. But they figured that wasn't the number one priority. So they ended up buying the business. The bank gave them the money, not because it was a good business idea, but because um, they, three of the four were civil servants, they had good job security, they had good credit history, they had good collateral, lots of equity in their houses. What could go wrong? Except interest rates were 23%. So they bought a business at 23% that didn't make money. And that was the beginning of my business education. So there was years and years of stress, of no money, of the business draining any other money that was coming in because three of the four had good stable jobs. And it was just an insane, crazy, uh, emotional, turbulent, stressful, my goodness, we ate a lot of beans and that causes a lot of other problems. It was just (laughs) nuts. And so I went through that traumatic experience and still get excited and agitated when I'm talking about it and decided, well, I want to prevent other people from making the same mistake. So I went off to business school, got my CPA, and had the skill set to help people. But in the accounting profession, you're still looking at historical financial statements and preparing tax returns, often three, four, five months old. And so after two years of that, I shifted full speed, full energy into consulting. And so that's what I've been doing ever since. And so what I do now is I help companies to grow. I help companies to finance that growth. And I help companies to develop succession plans that create and protect business wealth for shareholders. So, for example, uh, several years ago, I helped a husband and wife team of founders, founders. So they started the business at their kitchen table. And they grew the business. And when they brought me in, they had about 65 employees and 8 million in revenues. 
And so I help them go from the kitchen table to the boardroom table and bring in 15 employees into the ownership group. And some of those were family. So it was family business. And now we needed a real boardroom table because now there was a lot of people there. They grew that business from $8 million when I started working with them to over $90 million in annual revenues or wow. more than 10x after wow. that ownership plan was implemented. And so I work with privately held companies really in any industry. I'm industry agnostic and have worked in 62 different industry segments. And typically I'm working with CEO, the president, or the company owners, and they might be founders, they might be majority shareholders, or they might even be private equity companies. Most of them are mid-market companies. Um, I also work with small businesses in a coaching role. And then I also coach and advise other business advisors, and sometimes they're accountants and sometimes they're consultants, who also work with privately held small and medium enterprises, or SMEs as I call them. And, and that's around the world. So I've coached advisors in Australia, Britain, Canada, Ireland, Japan, Spain, and several people in the United States. Fantastic. So, you are, we are certainly extremely well qualified. But you And you wrote a book, obviously, because you're an expert. Why did you decide to write a book and how has it helped you? So I've written two books. The first book was Phil's Profit Points, which was accumulation of uh, one year of newsletters because I wanted to put my advice and make it tangible for people. The second book I co-wrote with Alan Weiss and it's the business wealth builders published by business expert press. And so in, in both cases, the, the story is the same. I wrote a book because I wanted to make my advice tangible and because I want to um, increase my credibility, but also codify my thinking. Writing forces critical thought. And so once you reread something you've written, either it's going to make sense or it's not going to be quite right or it just might not be anywhere close. And so I wrote the book for credibility. I wrote the book to increase my market reach. I wrote the book to be able to have a positive impact with business owners like my parents and my aunt and uncle uh, without actually meeting people. So for 20, 30, 40 bucks, whatever the, the publisher has priced the book, They've got access to this content, and uh, I, I just wanted to share my experiences and stories and advice and, and help business owners and other business advisors to help them build business wealth. Fantastic. Did you do any surveys to determine what should be in the book, or were you just going off of your own experience in dealing with dozens of companies and you knew what they wanted to read? Because a lot of my clients are saying, you know, what do I put in? What do I leave out? How do I know what to include in the book? How do you, did you make that decision? Yeah, I wrote my book on my perspectives of the main challenges and opportunities facing privately held mid-market companies who wanted to grow based on my almost three decades of experience working with over 100 companies in, in 62 industry segments and using my structure of, of growth and giving people that framework, because strategy needs to fit in a framework, and it's about focus and, and what is and what is not. It's very important to say no when you're dealing with strategy. So I wrote that book to, um, A, crystallize my thinking, B, help people, and C, strengthen my brand. Fantastic. And and how did you use the book in marketing? Did you send the books to, to, to people or... Uh... How well, the, the, the book is on Amazon. I don't know if that counts as, as marketing, mm -hmm. but I promoted my book by giving it a, 
away to everyone I knew, clients, former clients, bankers, accountants, lawyers, any referral sources. When I published the book, I also held a book launch party and invited everyone I knew again to attend. So we held it at my favorite local steakhouse, which was The Diplomat. We had a great time. I even invited the media, and they showed up, um, which was a pleasant surprise. So a reporter and photographer showed up. And then they featured me on the cover of the weekend's business section of the local newspaper. Mm. And so that was kind of fun and unexpected. Now, whenever I speak, I give copies of the book away. I spoke last week at the local Women Entrepreneurs Association, gave everyone a book. I send copies to prospects all the time. I don't promote my book as much as I use the book to promote my business and my value. So my book is a differentiator. Perfect. How I do that specifically, so hopefully this idea will be useful for some other people, is I'll send my book to a prospect along with a signed confidentiality non-disclosure agreement. And that puts me ahead of 90% of consultants out there, including the big firms. Oh, so it's an, it's an NDA saying that you're not going to disclose anything from their company, correct? Yeah, absolutely. It's a one-way NDA. I'm bound by that anyways because of my professional credentials, associations, and memberships. So I'm just documenting the obvious. I print it on 32-pound paper, so it's nice and heavy, uh, just like the big firms. And it's huge differential. I've had big private equity guys who would rank in the middle of the Fortune 500 say, this is the first time I've ever got one of these. Yeah, I've never heard of anyone doing that before. That's that's really clever. That uh, that eliminates a, a lot of paperwork and a lot of legal work. Uh, it, it, yeah, it, it just helps build the trust and the credibility. So here's a book with stories and examples, and and quotes and and um, testimonials or or a book cover endorsements from from highly popular people, and and away we go. Okay, so this guy's an expert. It's it's about credibility and about market reach. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. What advice would you give to executives who are writing a book like yours? What did you learn from your experiences in just the writing process? Um, what I learned from the, the writing process, and, and so I wrote in a very scheduled, structured way because my co-author, Alan Weiss, um, requested and required that, and he's written a lot of books. So I learned from Alan on how to write a book, and it's to write on a regular basis, just like you eat, sleep, and work out. So you need a regular basis. There is, uh, we were on a ski trip, a family ski trip, and I had a subchapter due. So I got up early in the morning and cranked out my subchapter in the typical hour and a half, and I had a, a formula. So I would rough mind map my topic, and then I would detail mind map and organize an outline for my topic, and then I would sit down and write. And that typically took an hour and a half to two hours, um, and often I would eat a, a chocolate bar or an eat more bar right before my writing session. So I had peak energy and I would just blast right through that finish line. And you just sit and write. You, you don't self-edit. You sit, you write, and, and you, you have the point you want to make and you use stories and examples. So to an executive, create a structured routine. Uh, don't do it in a high traffic area where people are pinging you. Um, find wherever your, your writing space is. I could write anywhere. I could write on an airplane. I could write in a hotel lobby. I could write anywhere. And now with a super-duper Apple uh, AirPod Pro noise-canceling wireless headphones, which I absolutely love. I thought they were expensive. They're the best investment anywhere. Um, people can write anywhere. So sit, write, whether it's iPad or laptop or handwrite or voice dictation. And crank out that 500, 800, 1,000 word subchapter and you're done. 
Fantastic. You know, you and I share a common client, and he came to me one day and said, Phil told me to write a manifesto, and I thought that was brilliant. Tell us about what a manifesto is and any tips on creating one, and who should, who is the, who should, well, I'll give you three questions at once, and we'll go through them. Who should create a manifesto as opposed to just a book that's a big business card book? Okay, so my definition of a manifesto and why I asked our, our mutual client to create one was I wanted them to put down their eight or ten key points and ways they help people onto a single page. Mm-hmm. So now we really have the high-level chapter outline. These are the ways I help people to achieve success, to increase their ch- success, to, uh, to achieve their goals. Mm-hmm. And then from that... We expand, and I have them create some level of content behind each main point. Now, if each point, so if I'm talking about growth, I say there's three things that a bid market company needs to grow. They need a growth strategy, not just a strategy, a growth strategy. They need a management team to execute that growth strategy, and they need resources to support the growth. And so within the growth section, there's three subpoints. And now, to create the manifesto, you write content on each of those subpoints, and and so it parallels a book beautifully. But it's less intimidating than writing a book because it can be a lot shorter. It can be, it can be one page, and here's here's how I help people. You can turn it into a flowchart or a visual, or it can turn into a fifteen twenty thousand word book or or longer if you want. So it's just an easier way to start small and it lets them get their methodology out of their head because a lot of times they just see the world through their methodology. So here's the methodology and then we'll put it into a process or a, or a logical order. And then we'll tell stories, 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 lots of examples, metaphors, analogies, whatever, and, and to support their manifesto. And so now they have this real document. And, and so Turning a, a ten thousand word manifesto into a twenty twenty five thousand uh, word book—that's not so hard. They've done the hard part. Very, very interesting. Thank you. That that's that's fascinating. Uh, you're you're a big storyteller. What are some of the cl- what separates a how do you create a really good story? <laughs> and you've you've told some really great stories here as well. What what is the structure so, of the story? Well, there's Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3, right? Mm-hmm. So Act 1 sets up the characters, Act 2 has the conflict, and Act 3 has the resolution. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's not unlike even, even a case study. The client was suffering from this problem. Here's what I showed up in the intervention and the obstacles we overcame. And then here's the, the final results. But just tell a story. The best way to tell stories from your personal life because those are unique to you and they're interesting and you usually remember them because they're unique to you and it doesn't matter if you tell it the same way or differently every time because nobody else knows it and you're going to remember different nuances and and facts each time so be yourself and then try and condense it down to one to two minutes and and it's important um to to set up that story database even if it's just by title because we have all these things that happen to us but we can't remember them off off the tip of our tongue some of us are faster than others uh, thinking on our feet or, or in the moment but when I'm communicating with a client I have 
the stories that um, water can cut steel when it's focused at 60,000 PSI. It'll cut through two inches of steel. But if water's not focused, it'll just splash around and rust and weaken steel. And so there's, there's an example. Or a um, story from my personal life. Uh, when I was 14 years old, I built a go-kart. We took an old uh, lawnmower engine, an iron horse engine, one and a half horsepower, mounted it sideways with a direct drive pulley from the engine to the, the wheel. Did you know a motor, um, a lawnmower engine, because the blade spins around very quickly? We used to hit 25, 30 miles an hour on this little go-kart. <laughs> it was just insane. And uh, uh, the old, and this is like a long time ago, so the lawnmowers weren't very environmentally friendly and they were muffled in the grass. We had this thing sideways. It would shoot flames at one and a half, two feet straight out the side. It would send, we didn't even have hair on our legs then, but it would burn your pants or whatever. And, and so that, that's where innovation comes from. That's where lack of fear comes from. That's where, well, we're willing to, to fail and fail fast. And then when the, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police in its day showed up, um, then they put an end to that because we didn't have driver's licenses. We were only 14. And the car certainly wasn't going to pass any safety standards. But its only safety feature was it made a lot of noise, and that's how it let people come in. So you, you just tell stories about your life that are hopefully relevant to the point. And because our, our, our role is to entertain, I'm sorry, our role is to educate. But it helps to educate if we can entertain along the way. Because it's a lot more fun to, to learn um, when you've got a story and something personal to relate to compared to trying to, to remember the, the, um, the, the formula for net present value of cash flow. <laughs> Very true. It seems like you're a natural writer and a natural storyteller, but did you ever have any problems that you had to overcome when you were writing? Uh, I'm not a natural writer. I'm not a natural st storyteller. Um, the two main problems that I've overcome um, uh, one is procrastination and the other is perfectionism and, and they're highly related. And then just realizing and learning and appreciate that all the experiences that I've had, not everybody has had those and they can be unique and valuable and interesting and highly relevant for the right audience. And it's not my job to prejudge which audience is going to enjoy which story. Um, I have a weekly newsletter. So, so now I, I write, um, quite well and, and fairly quickly, uh, that took a, a while to get out of my own way. And it's, it's the same formula for my weekly newsletters. I'll do a rough mind map on the point. I'll do an outline. I'll sit down and write. And some days I still use the chocolate bar for supercharging, turbocharging the, the energy process. Fantastic. Phil, you've been a fantastic guest. Uh, definitely one of my best podcasts ever because of these great stories. And uh, you are very quotable. Uh, I love that. Uh, why don't you tell people how they can get in touch with you and again, what kind of client you're looking for? Um, sure. So um, they can get in touch with me um, by visiting my website, which is SME, as in small, medium enterprise. So smewealthbuilder.com. They can send me an email, phil, P-H-I-L, at smewealthbuilder.com. They can give me a call, 306-569-9111, extension 7. The extension helps keep the spammers uh, from leaving voicemails. Hmm. So uh, happy to have a conversation with any business owner, of any size. I, I, again, I, I work with mid-market companies to help them grow. We focus on um, developing growth strategies. We focus on metrics that matter. We're not waiting 
three or four weeks after month end for financial statements that are in an accounting language. We're using real metrics, just like you have a real dashboard in your car that tells you how fast you're going and how much gas you've got in the tank and all your other safety systems around, such as blind spot indicator and traction control and, and um, collision avoidance. And, and so we want to create those kind of environments uh, for the company. So if a company wants to grow and they're willing to exchange ideas on how to grow, then I'd love to have a conversation with them. And if an executive is thinking about writing a book, happy to have a conversation and, and give them some guidance so that when you're working with them, you can really accelerate their progress. Fantastic. Thank you, Phil. And thanks everyone for listening to the Write Your Book in a Flash podcast, the only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book but don't know where to start, you can find great information at writeyourbookinaflash.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.